0: Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If this is your first time listening, or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. We're continuing with our Rooted series this week, where we're exploring how to become more rooted in our faith. actually, this week, our Discipleship Minister, Todd Lane, speaks about the importance of making your faith a priority outside of church. God made us to grow, and that means that it's on us to find ways to do that on our own at home. So let's go on and get started. I've been through two or three spots in life that I felt were really challenging for me. One was about 15 years ago, and it kind of dealt with occupation, kind of my job. I'd come to this point in that job where I knew the job had come to an end, but I didn't know what was next. In fact, I began praying God, just show me and I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. The other thing that I did at that time was I kind of began journaling. You see, as a counselor, I had offered that to many people, kind of told them, hey, this might help you. Writing down your thoughts, writing down your prayers, seeing what God's doing and actually writing it down. Well, I'd never taken the time to do that. But at this time, I got a journal. And one of the things I ended up doing, probably several days a week, I'd find myself at Wendy's and I'd get a baked potato, I'd get a chili, I'd get a water, and I'd grab a Bible, I'd grab a journal, and I would spend some time just seeing what God was saying. See, I went back to the very beginning of the Bible, and I wanted to see how God was speaking to certain people and what He was asking them to do. I was just trying to learn. So after I'd read something, I'd kind of write down those thoughts. I'd really try to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Well, I really learned some things, especially when I got to the story of Moses. Moses kind of sees this bush off in the distance and it's burning and it's not burning up. It says he walks over to it. And it says when God saw that he had walked over to it, that's when God spoke. You see, that was almost opposite of what I had been asking God. I was saying, God, you speak and then I'll take some steps. When in Moses' story, it was just the opposite from that. So it was a real learning point for me. Right after that story, you see this also again with a guy named Joshua. He takes over from Moses, and he's got to get all these people into a promised land. And God tells him to have them walk into the Jordan River. I'm sure everybody thought he was crazy. But you see, when they walked into the river and when their feet touched the water, it says that that's when God held the waters back. So again, the same principle. God asked them to take some steps of faith And then he did something. So guys, for me, it was a real learning point. It was also something, like I said, that has lasted for the last 15 years where I don't do it every day, but most days I find myself trying to spend some time with God's word, but also creating some space in my life to write some of this stuff down, write some prayers out and spend some time with God in a journal. As I said in that video, for the last 30 years, I've... Done a lot of counseling. I've talked with the people individually. I've talked with them, maritally, families, and work with companies. And it's interesting that a lot of the conversations always kind of end up talking about growth. Probably goes something like this: Hey, how you doing? Good. It's good to see you. Hey, let me ask you: Just what have you been doing to grow lately? No, it's a real question, okay? Let me just give you a time span. Just take the last six months of your life. I mean, what have you been doing to grow in your relationship with God? Been praying? Love to hear that. That's a great thing. Uh, Or going to church, great thing. Let me ask you, Monday through Saturday, do anything to connect with God kind of on a daily basis? Praying? wonderful let me kind of clarify I know when I say I pray that's usually me talking with God let me ask you when do you give God a chance to talk to you it's a lot of times how it goes see growth I think it's something we really like the idea of it it sounds really good but I think most of us have kind of been satisfied with some things like comfort you see We have a desire to be safe, to be comfortable, to be sure and certain, and that seems to take the priority in our life. See, outside of a crisis, most of us don't really pursue growth. You see, growth usually happens during that crisis, but it's more of a byproduct of something happening more than really just our deep down desire to grow. Guys, we have to talk about growth today because living things grow. If you're not growing... You're dying or you may be dead. See, today I want to talk to you about personal growth outside of this place. And I want to challenge you to create some space. I want to challenge you to have a place. I want you to develop this environment where you learn to connect with God on a daily basis somehow every day. You're going to hear some big ideas today about growth, and um, the challenge is to take those big ideas and turn them into how-tos, and so really going to challenge you as soon as you leave here. You've already heard out to the left out here, there's some sign-ups for things like growth groups. Those occur, most of them on our Wednesday evenings, some things like life groups, some smaller groups of people that are going to help you figure out the how-tos of taking some of these ideas about growth and putting them into your personal life. There's this story out of Mark, and it's in chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law comes to Jesus, and he asks this question. He says, of all the commandments, which is most important? And Jesus responds to him by saying, hey, the most important one is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He says, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And see, this is one of the more cordial meetings between a religious leader and Jesus, because here's what the teacher of the law says. Well said, teacher. I know it's important to love God with all my heart, with all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbors myself. And he even goes on to emphasize this. He says, this is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Look what Jesus tells that man. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He says, you're close, but you're not there yet. And I think the key... Is in the response of this teacher of the law. He says, I know it's important to love God. I know it's important to love my neighbor. And guys, today I want to tell you there's a big difference between knowing it's important to love and loving. Here's an idea I really want to impress upon you. Just because we know doesn't mean we grow. Let me say it again. Just because we know, it doesn't mean we grow. See, knowing's important. It just can't be the end result. We have something here at Capital City called the discipleship path. There are kind of four markers along this path. And the first place you come to is just looking. See, today, for some of you, maybe it's your first time here. Or maybe you've been coming for a little while, but church growing up just really wasn't a part of your life. See, there are some things you need to know before you move on to the next marker called getting started. You see, because at that getting started, you got to take those things you know and decide whether you believe them or not. Whether you really believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Whether you're going to make him Lord of your life. And if you are... Then you got to decide how you take that knowing and turn it into growing by moving through some of the other markers. And maybe one of those is heard a lot about baptism today. Maybe you've been thinking about that. Stop and talk with one of us. We'd love to tell you more about it. But just because you know, doesn't mean you grow. This difference between knowing and growing is very glaring on the last night of Jesus' life. You see, he brings his eleven or his disciples together and he has him in an upper room. And one of the things you'd think, it's kind of this final goodbye. You'd think you'd be telling him all kinds of good things, but he tells him, he says, there's a betrayer in our midst. And of course, you can imagine this causing upheaval in everybody. Eleven of his disciples come to him and they say the first phrase up here. They say, surely not I, Lord. But there's one and his name was Judas and he comes to Jesus and he says, surely not I, teacher. You see, Jesus looks right at him and he says, you've said it. See, Jesus was telling him that you've just admitted you're the one who's going to betray me because you really deep down don't believe that I'm the Messiah. Judas should have been the poster child for discipleship. He knew all about Jesus. He'd heard every sermon he'd ever preached. He saw some special things. He got to see Jesus take light and put it into the eyes of people who couldn't see. He got to hear Jesus tell some guys who couldn't walk, hey, get your mat up, take a walk. He got to see Jesus raise the dead and cast out demons, heal lepers. He got to see the power and love of God perfectly displayed in the life of Jesus. But somehow, all this stuff he knew, he didn't grow. You know, I kind of just reading that this week, I kind of asked the question, how's that happened? How can that happen when you spend all this time and it doesn't seem to make a difference? I haven't even thought about, I've been going to church forever. I've spent a lot of time with Jesus. Here's the difference between knowing and growing. When you know Jesus has your head and your brain. When you grow, he has your head and your brain, but he has your heart also. See guys, in this series called Rooted, We've been using this passage. Paul writes to the Colossians. Just listen to what he says. He says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will be, will grow strong. See, we've been talking about the things on the wall out there that are real important to us. Stuff like we think you have to connect with other people. That's going to help you be rooted in God. We think you've got to serve other people. That's going to help you be rooted. Last week, we talked about some of the things we're trying to do here at the church to help you grow. We think that's going to help you be rooted. But today, we kind of wanted to stay with the growth theme, but we wanted to take a little different angle. We wanted to say, what about outside of here? What about outside of church? What does life need to look like for a Jesus follower the other 167 hours that you're not here? Earlier this week, I heard about a research project. The research project had graduate level students who were going to have to give a speech and they were going to have to give it across campus in another building. They would be told their topic and they would have five minutes to get from where they learned about the topic to the building they would give their speech. During that five minutes, you can imagine, they probably are trying to, okay, here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's what I need to talk about. What they didn't know was that the researchers... They placed a person lying down in distress in the path of the students going from the building to give their speech. Here's my question to you. What percentage of the students do you think stopped to help the person in distress? I actually want you to maybe turn to somebody right now and tell them what percentage do you think students stopped to help the person in distress? Turn and tell somebody. Okay, let's take a quick poll here, okay? How many of you said less than 25% of the students stopped to help? You pessimistic people. (laughs) I'm so glad you're in church today. You need some hope, okay? (laughs) Hey, how many of you said 50% of the students? How many of you said more than 75% of the students stopped? About three of you, okay? Let me tell you. The answer is 10%. Now, let me tell you a couple of the other factors that may surprise you. The graduate students were seminary students, they were studying to go into ministry. Do you know what their talk was on? The Good Samaritan. <laughs> Just because we know doesn't mean we grow. Guys, I got to tell you, in in preparing to talk about this personal side of growth, there were two contrasting ideas that just kept coming at me. And let me tell you what they are. Here's the first one. Something's missing. I mean, just, just take the illustration of the students. There's something missing in here. You see, for most of us in here, it's a really scary place because that's who we really are. See, in this place... We live out those 167 other hours that you're not here. See, it's in here that we know a lot about love, but we may not be very loving. It's in here that you know the story of the Good Samaritan, but you may get distracted or preoccupied during your week and you may miss an opportunity to help somebody in distress. See, something's missing. Now, here's kind of the second idea that was contrasting to that one. Here it is you were made to worship. Let me kind of give you a definition for what it means to worship. It's your response to whatever you value most. It could be a person, it could be a thing, it could be an experience, but it's the thing that you put first in your life. So here's what I'd say every day, all day long, everywhere you go, you worship something. It's what you do, it's how you were made. Worship's not just a Sunday thing. It's an every day, all the time kind of thing. And maybe walking in here, you didn't think of yourself of a worshiper, but you worship something. It's what you were made to do. So since we're talking about growth, growth today, maybe the thing that's missing is learning to be a worshiper outside of this building. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to challenge you to maybe grow and create some space for God during your Monday through Saturday. I want to challenge you to maybe have a place where you meet God. Maybe it's going to be in the morning or maybe it's going to be at night during your week. I want you to develop this environment where all week long you kind of walk and talk with God every day. So let's talk about how we use our time outside of church to grow and connect with God. I want to take you to a psalm, so if you've got a phone that has Bible app on it, or maybe you've got a Bible, you'll notice we kind of leave the corner lights on. If some of you bring your Bibles, that's a place where a little more light, where you could read if you brought a Bible. So it'll be up here on the screen as well. This is a psalm of David. It's Psalm 131. And we're just going to look at a couple verses in this, because I think David gives us some insight about some of the habits he had that helped him grow. Here's what the first verse says. Oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Now, you've got to understand, this is a radical statement for a king to make, especially in this culture. He was the most powerful person in his nation. Most people look to him like a god. But David's saying, I know there's a god, and I'm not him. Here's kind of one of the first takeaways if you're writing something down, if you're trying to remember something. You need some time during your week for God to remind you that you're not him. Let me ask you, outside of here, anything happen in your week that helps you, that gives God an opportunity to remind you that you're not him? See, most of you might be saying, you might be pushing back a little bit going, I know I'm not God. I go, really? Really? Do you really live in such a way that you don't act like God? See, I think most of us never slow down. I think most of us live really busy lives. I think most of us are control freaks. We try to control everything and everyone. See, I think most of us struggle not acting God-like. And see, even though you go through this maddening pace and you act like you have it all together, I know you don't. See, on the outside, you look pretty good. But on the inside, a lot of us are a mess. We worry. When it really comes down to it, we don't trust God with our lives. We think, if I could just do a little more, if I could move a little faster, find a little bit more way to be in control, then things would be okay. And I'd be okay in here. As I want to tell you today, the only way for things to be okay And the only way for things to be okay in here is when you create some time for God to remind you that you are not him. Let me take you back to the first person that ever got to walk and talk with God. His name was Adam. You know that God kind of scooped up some dirt and kind of formed this body and pretty much it was just a corpse. It was dead. But then Adam became alive when God breathed life into him. We have to create some space in our lives for God to have the time and opportunity to continuously breathe life into here. That's one of the essential characteristics to being okay in here, also to growing. See, whenever, whatever you do, whatever you speak, breathe, act, whatever you do, you're doing it because he's given you life. Let me ask you. You kind of sit back and look at here Are you full of God's breath right now? Is that the way life feels? Or do you feel like you're on your last breath because you really haven't given God opportunity to breathe some life into you? Guys, we need a place. We need a time. We need to do it here. But out there, we have to give God the opportunity to remind us that we are not Him. If you do that, I am confident there'll be some growth in your life. See, I think he's going to grow you as a worshiper, not just in here, but also out there. Remember the definition? Worship is our response to whatever we value most. There's this verse in Hebrews, and it says this. It says, worship God with reverence and awe. What if you could create some time this week where you would walk away from that time and go, I'm in awe of God. See, I, I think we've kind of diluted that word, A-W-E, because I could probably go, hey, did you go to that new restaurant? Oh, it was awesome. Been watching that Netflix series? Awesome. Did you see the cats in the Bahamas? This is going to be an awesome season. Honey, how do I look in those jeans? Can we just take a timeout for just a second? My wife and I were in a life group in Louisville in the 90s. One time we heard this question asked by a wife to a husband. He did not answer awesome. Okay. Now to take you to 2012, they live in Minnesota. We were with them. That came up again 21 years later. (laughs) So guys, just a little teaching moment for husbands in here. Okay. The right answer is awesome. The only answer is awesome. Guys, we use this word awesome to describe normal things. And you see, if you get up real close to some of those normal things, you find out they're really not awesome. They're good things. See, the Greek word for this all is phobo. We get the word phobia. And what it means, it's this reverential fear of the power and holiness of God. And if you will take time to create some space and get up close to God, I am confident that you will walk away and say, man, God is awesome. And you probably won't want to use the word awesome for anything else. See, with this word awe, we get glimpses of all. Maybe some of you have seen something like this. You've been out to the Grand Canyon. When you stand there and see the expanse. you're like, wow. Maybe you've been driving and before the sun comes up or maybe as the sun's going down, you're kind of like, man, God's got his paintbrush out tonight. Or maybe some of you, when you held your first child, you're just, wow. For me, our oldest daughter, Mackenzie, is pregnant and this right here is a glimpse of all for me. It's little Marley, granddaughter, just a little 22 weeks That's all. But guys, if we can ascribe all to some of the created things, how much more should we give all to the one who breathed these things into existence? We have to find time for God to remind us that we are not him. Let's go on to the second verse. David says this. He says, I've calmed and quieted myself see this hebrew word for calm means to make level it gives you this mental picture of kind of field that's unlevel and you've got to level it out i think the takeaway for this one where we said the first one is i got to create time for god to remind me it's almost like david here he's taking responsibility now and he says i'm going to remind myself that i'm not god like he says i need to level myself out here i don't want to forget who i am i don't want to become inconsistent or imbalanced in my life see david's describing this time where he reminds himself where remember verse one he gave god some time to remind him but now he's taking ownership he's going to be intentional about his own growth and his life with god i mentioned earlier that we are all worshipers and that you were made to worship see you are made to worship in here but you are also made to worship out there. And worship is one of the great levelers in our life because when you take time to do that, you're reminded of who God is. You're reminded of who you are. See, when you come to church, you're led in worship pretty much this entire hour. But when you take time for personal worship outside of here, you're taking the responsibility for reminding yourself that you are not God. Let me take you back to Adam's story. I told you about when he kind of formed him and breathed life into him. But right after that, it says, God created a garden in Eden, and that's where he put Adam. See, it says, out of the ground, he made trees to spring up. They were pleasing to sight, good for food. God places Adam in this ideal environment for growth. It's an environment that's good for Adam's relationship with God. It was good for his soul because it was just God and Adam. Adam. I think one of the things we've got to learn from just God creating a place like that is you and I need some rest. There's sometimes our soul needs to slow way down. See, I think if you polled people and just kind of pulled them off the street and said, hey, tell me what you think about God or relationship with God. I think a lot of people would say rules and morals. When they think about God, ah, maybe he's mad at them or guilt or... He thinks I'm bad. But guys, when you hear that God created this environment for he and Adam, I don't know how you don't walk away with words like relationship, enjoyment, words like life-giving, peace, and rest. See, sometimes like David, you and I are going to have to take responsibility for our life with God, and we're going to have to pull away. In September of last year, the Iowa Hawkeye football fans did the wave. The wave. Now, it's not the wave you're thinking of. All 70,000 fans, they turned after the first quarter and they waved to children and their families at the brand new Children's Hospital. These families were all going through very difficult health issues. One patient, he's 17, Daxon Phillips, he said he had cranial surgery and he said he was really struggling. And one day, he just blurted out, well, at least Saturday's coming. See, patients they all tried to get up front next to the window because 70,000 fans were going to turn away from a football game and they were going to turn towards the window of the hospital. They're going to wave their hands, wave their arms. And they said, it means more to those patients than you and I could know. One parent said, it's like a wave of hope. It's like we're not in this by ourselves. Daxon, that 17 year old, he says, it makes the days go by faster and better. It's more than just a wave, it's life changing. If fans pulling away from a football game can make a life changing difference, I think when you pull away from your busyness, it's going to make a life changing difference in your walk with God. Guys, I know some of you are busy. I know some of you are overwhelmed. Some of you feel a little lost. Some of you are trying to figure it out. Do not miss the words of Jesus. Look up here on the screen. Come to me. I would say outside of here. In here. All you who are weary and burdened. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Let's finish this psalm up. I told you, he says, I've calmed and quieted myself, but that's just the first part of that verse. Look what he finishes it with. He goes on to say, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David's telling us that there's this outcome when we take responsibility for having this calm and quiet soul. See, any time that a child is awake, I'm gonna try to tell you here a little bit about this transition because he's introducing this imagery of a mother and a child. And he tells us this child is in the stage of being weaned from breastfeeding. Now, you're gonna have to give me a little grace here, okay? I'm gonna tell you a little bit what I think about breastfeeding, okay? Um, Because I ask, why in the world would David bring up an imagery like this of of a child being weaned? There seems to be a couple stages to breastfeeding. The first stage is when the child is breastfeeding. You think the child's not weaned? So, anytime the child is awake in the mother's arms, what do you think the child wants? He wants food. See, unless he's asleep, there's always this restlessness in the mother's arms. But there's this transition that takes place. The child is growing. The child now needs solid food. So when he's in the, his mother's arms, he wants food, but his mother's not going to allow to give food from her. And what's going to happen is the child becomes weaned from breastfeeding. And David says two times, I'm like a weaned child. Here's the test. What's a weaned child want when he's lying in his mother's arms? Nothing. 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 The baby is just happy being in the arms of his mother. And David is telling us he has this quiet and calm soul because he's now content with who God is. He's saying, I'm like a weaned child of God who spends time with his father, not because I want something from my father, just because I love to be close to my father. And guys, I would tell you, this place of growth only comes about when we give God time to remind us that we're not him. This place of maturity comes when you remind yourself that you're not him. David has progressed to this place of kind of just going, I just want you. Jeremiah gives us this great picture. And you're going to see the This is kind of, there's two screens of this, and I'm just going to ask you to read this with me, if we could kind of soak this in, but this is this great picture of growth and progress, and let's read it out loud together. Read it with me. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green it will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Jeremiah is describing this really good place, this place of growth and progress. And it's what can happen when you give God time to remind you and when you remind yourself that you're not God. Let me tell you one other outcome, one real little outcome of when you take this kind of time for God and yourself these thoughts kind of come from a guy named Dr. John Walker he's a counselor out in Colorado at a place called Blessing Ranch and he talks about John 2 24 it appears going to be on the screen as you read this with me kind of focus on the word entrust that's what we're going to talk about look at the word or the the verse Jesus did not entrust himself to men because he knew the hearts of men See, here's what Walker says. He says, there's a big difference between entrust and trust. He says that Jesus only entrusted himself to his father, but he trusted himself with his friends. See, he trusted himself, his friends, with ministry, mission, time, and friendship, but he only entrusted himself to his father to get his value, his worth, his identity, I thought about this. I'm going to make a statement. I think most of us are not taking the time for God to remind us that we're not him. I think most of us probably aren't reminding ourselves that we're not him. And what happens is when we don't take the time and we don't hear his voice throughout our week, it's the other voices that we try to find value in and identity. And we try to get our worth from that. And guys, that will never be enough. Just real practically to show you how Jesus did this. I'll take you back to week two. Doc talked to us about being rooted in serving other people. And he talked about Jesus feeding thousands of people. Let me tell you the verse that enters into that story. It kind of introduces it. Here's what it says. When Jesus heard what happened. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened here in just a second. When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. What happened was John the Baptist, his cousin, John the Baptist who baptized Jesus, was beheaded by King Herod. Jesus needed some time away. He had to entrust himself to his father. What was in front of him? Ten to 15,000 people who were going to be physically and spiritually hungry. He needed to pull away and entrust himself to his father. See, he had a tough situation. And all the people, they were going to drain him. And Jesus knew that only his father could fill him up. See, the danger for you and I is when we quit entrusting ourselves to God. And we entrust ourselves to people. And we try to get something out of them that they can never provide. That kind of stuff is only a job for God. Guys, today, it is vital for you to create some space for God in your life outside of this building Robben Island is off the coast of Cape Town South Africa it's a prison for political prisoners Uh, a lot of you will probably recognize the picture up here this is where Nelson Mandela was a prisoner if you go there, you can visit the prison. And one of your highlights will probably be an ex-prisoner actually being your tour guide. He's going to tell you a lot of stuff about the island and the prison and a lot of probably his own stuff. And you can ask some questions. And one person asked a question to one of the ex-prisoner tour guides. He said, what was the hardest thing for you while you were here? And you'll be surprised by his answer because he said, Leaving. And here's what he went on to say. He says, in this prison, I learned about a better future. He says, I learned about this future from men who became my good friends. I believed them. And the hardest day was leaving the company of those men. And then hear this, because I had to go out there and live it out. Guys, I think the most difficult thing for Jesus followers is leaving this building and going out there and living it out. We're going to sing a song here, kind of as an invitation. And the song is more like Jesus. I listened to it several times coming over here this morning. And it talks about him being willing to leave heaven for us. And come down here and show us how to live and grow. So maybe today, maybe, maybe something's in here that you need some help dealing with. or You want someone to come alongside. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, if you need to take some of the stuff you know and you really want to act on it and accept him as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to help you with grow, okay? Um, Maybe we'll make this your church home. So we're going to sing a great song. Let's worship. Let's stand. And again, if you have something to say or talk to me, I'd love to talk to you down here.